Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody need a miracle this morning? Anybody need something happening in their life this, this week? Hallelujah. Leanne, is that you? I knew it. That's what I was asking. I was asking, Jennifer, are you online for, for the supernatural power of God? Mildred, is that you? Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's just agree right now. Let's just agree that God will use this, this 50 minutes here. He'll use it to produce what we need. Let's, let's attribute worth to this time. If you were going to a Benny Hinn meeting, if you were going to a big, you know, whatever, you'd, you'd be all charged up. You'd, you'd be electric. Just, let's just transfer it to right now because this is where we are. Father, we thank you today for your word. We're asking you for utterance, Lord, things to say. We're asking you, Lord, for hearing, things to hear. We're asking you for a transaction in the Spirit. Our hearts are alive unto God. We, Lord, are hungry for your Word. We are created to, to take in your Word and be strengthened, to be empowered by your Word. We thank you for the miracle-working power that's in your Word, Lord, what you have said, Lord, changing our situation. We reach out today and go beyond what we see, what we hear, what we know, what we remember, Lord, and we set our a passion. We set our affection on your word to both see and know and give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Turn in your Bible with me. Let's just, let's just see what we're going to do today. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to talk about being unstoppable. Unstoppable. We talked about being unstoppable last week. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to we're going to see what we can get out there and go this morning. I know, listen, I know you know some doctrine. I look out here and I say, well, you know you know doctrine and you ought to be, you ought to be in your Bible and being charged up to walk in love. You ought to be forgiving some folks. Y'all say amen. And for me to get up here and say, you know, you better forgive. Well, we could do that, but there's just a lot of things that... Uh, we need to be charged up about concerning the whole picture, the big picture. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Say God's word. Turn to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. Verse 24, hallelujah. You know, it says in the word that we should walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. We're walking by faith and not by sight. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. I'm not saying that it's always easy. I'm not saying that the senses don't get turned loose and, and uh, have a field day and want to and wanna tell, tell what's going on and, and predict what should be happening. But we, we're commanded, born again, sons and daughters of God, to walk by faith and not by sight. When Eric and Anita tell Andrew to do this and don't do that, they're not just suggesting it. <laughs> it's a command. And it's, an, it's in Andrew's ability to obey. It's also his prerogative to hesitate <laughs> or to change his mind or pretend he didn't hear or whatever. Well, you go, that little three-year-old, what's wrong with him? Well, some of us are them 41-year-olds. Then we're going, God's going, what's wrong with them? Amen. We are commanded to walk by faith. 
God wants us strong. Turn to someone right now and tell them, be strong. It says in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Say God's word. The Bible says that God has a plan for your life and that he is able to put his plan in your life by his word. Jeremiah 1.12 says he hastens over his word to perform it. It doesn't say he hastens over your needs to perform them. Did you get that? He's not a need hastening God. He's a word hastening God. So how much attention should we give to our needs? Not much. How much attention should we give to the Word? Much. Amen? How much do most people, even in Christians, give to their needs? Much. We are a need-conscious people as, as far as, as the body of Christ. Need, need, need. I'm in some spirit-filled, faith-filled organizations. I mean, or ministers' organizations. And they'll, they'll send a little letter out saying, well, you know, Sister Sue down in Beaumont. You know, pray for her because she's got this and got that, and we're just believing that, you know, it's going to be okay. And it's just like you can just tell. It's just going to be what it's going to be. we got to put it on the Word, don't we? The Bible says in Psalm 138:2 that God has magnified His Word even above His name. Can you imagine what God could put out there to say, my word is so important? Why, I've even magnified it more than, more than, what would you say, more than, more than my own name, Jehovah. Would you say that He wasn't just exaggerating, that He was making a point that His word is sovereign, supreme, and the most important thing going on? Would you assume that God was saying, my word and I are the same, and that if you believe me, you have to believe my word. And if you love me, you have to love my word. God's all about His word. You know, and He makes the rules. You know, God, I think we ought to talk about needs, you know, and we ought to grovel and snivel and, you know, and, 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 and cry a little and tell you about our needs. But that's not how he, that's, you know, the one that cries the most isn't the one that gets the most in God. It's the one that gets on the word. You don't like it. You don't agree with it. You don't think it's right. It doesn't matter. That's how it is. It says in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus going through the temptation said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But what did he say man should live by? By every word that what? Proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God saying that you don't have a life apart from his word that we are lifeless if we don't have his word. Oh, sure, you're eating your potatoes and you're, you know, got the grocery thing going and we're alive physically, but dead is a battery. You can take a battery and you can say, here's a battery, but you have to put a cable on it, a tester on it to see if the battery is a battery that's hot or alive or one that's dead. A dead battery is not even a good doorstop. They're worthless. They're worthless. Uh, a new battery is $100. A dead battery is as worthless as it can be. How about us? We could be Christians and going to heaven, but it's going to be our worth, our value in the kingdom is based on the word. 
what are we alive with the word of God amen now a lot of Christians you know a lot of Christians want to believe they want to listen they want maximum benefit for minimum input and so they're 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 believing at the word they're believing oh I believe God for healing but they're not but when it doesn't come easily I find that a lot of them bail. They don't have much stuff to stay in there with it. They, they, they say they believe God's word. They say that, that uh, by his stripes I was healed. They say that uh, he became poor, that I through his poverty might be rich. They say that, but when the going gets tough, I said when time elapses, then you find out what's really underneath the, the cover. You find out what's really going on. When the cost to believe gets too strong, and when there's a fork in the road, you find out what's really going on in people's hearts concerning believing. It looks like they're believing, because at the beginning, when there's no cost to it, they're all about it. Oh, yeah, pastor, I'm on it. I buy his stripes. I'm healed. I believe. I'm on it. But when you get in there, and things don't look good, do y'all know about people that get sick, and it, get, it doesn't look good? You know, they're confessing the word, or they say they are. They're believing, or they say they are. But then it doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. Matter of fact, it might even get worse. Do y'all know anybody that, that's supposedly in faith, but then after a while, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And so they're, they're, they're facing, facing a dilemma. Does this word thing work, or is it, should I go with the treatment? Should I go with the medical? Should I go with this thing? And, and when their life is on the line, you know, if it's just a stomach thing or an eye thing or an ear thing, we can go a long ways. But when the doctor says this is critical, this is, it's going to happen this way, we've just seen it every time, and it just always goes down this road, then you find out what you really believe. Say amen. And so if we're going to be strong Christians, we got to be able to do more than just uh, handle a little earache or handle a little skin rash or handle a little joint thing. If you, if you want to just say, I'm an unbeliever, but I'm going to heaven, well, then we can get happy with that. But if you want to be strong, and you got to be strong in you if you want to help somebody else, because I'm telling you, critical times are coming. They're already here. But I'm just saying critical in the sense of the devil hates your guts and every other part of you. He just has got no mercy in him. And, and I've seen cancer. I've seen other diseases just completely decimate uh, people just in no time at all. But the ripple is way beyond that particular person. It puts a blanket of unbelief. It puts a, a disparaging on the kingdom upon the word of God. It, put, it just ripples out from every direction. It really affects people. Well, we got to have an answer for that. I said the answer is in the Word of God working in our lives. We've got to be strong Christians. Listen, what else are you working on? What else is going on in your life except to be a strong believer? Amen. I walk by faith. Say with me. I walk by faith and not by sight. Point to yourself. Let's say it. I walk by faith and not by sight. Now, we've got to get that. You got to know that the devil, the, this world system, it's just a natural thing because we're in the world, not of it, but we're in the world. It's going to naturally, not because it's particularly or personally uh, affecting you, but it's going to test you. We're in a place of, of these principles being tested. To live above them means there's something to live above. To overcome means there's something to come over. And so we're going to have to put ourselves on there. It's just a matter of when you're going to engage. 
You're going to wait and engage until there's a disaster, a crisis that's so big that you can't get around it, and then blame God. Well, I've been a believer. I'm going to Word of Life. I'm this, that, and the other all this time, and it didn't work. Or are you going to engage now and just say, bless God, the Word says it, I'm going to find out what it says, and I'm going with God to the end. It's a decision we'll all make. I said, you're going to make this decision. Now, I'm telling you, God does not, is not aware of time. Time is a creation that God put just like dirt. He doesn't need dirt in heaven. He doesn't need dirt in heaven, but he put dirt on earth. It helps the trees stand up straight. It helps us, you know, get from one place to another better. It's just real handy for all sorts of stuff. But, it, you know, dirt's not his deal, and time is not his deal either. Time is the, is the uh, thing that measures between events. The actual literal definition of time is, is, the, is the thing between events. God does not need time, and he is not cognizant in the sense of his side. He didn't factor it in to faith. Time is not a part of faith. So uh, manifestations and time are not a part of the faith equation. In other words, I'm believing for it, and I hadn't seen it yet, therefore, is not a part of God's equation. Well, I, you know, I gave, and, you know, nothing changed. Therefore, God doesn't have a therefore there. You, the Word says it, and that's the therefore. Therefore, it's done. Therefore, it happened. Therefore, nothing is out of line. But we like to get and measure by our faith by manifestation, especially in the healing realm. Well, I'm confessing. I'm believing. I'm on it. I, 1 Peter 2.24, I got that in me. I got my card on my table and on my mirror, and I'm on it, and amen. But doggone, I went back expecting the doctor to say, why, it's a miracle. And he said it was bigger. He said it was worse. He said it wasn't as good. What are you going to do? Everybody needs to know what to do at that time. I sowed in the surplus offering. I had a need, and, and the need came up, and, you know, I was believing, and it, it wasn't better. What are you going to do? you got to know what to do. Whether you start now and, and figure this out or you go later, you got to know. And we saw that Abraham last week, that uh, he got in faith. He got in faith about his family based on what God said. He said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And, and, and in covenant language, that means a whole bunch of kids. It doesn't mean an old man that doesn't have any kids is over a bunch of stuff. It means you got a big family. And so, you know, Abraham went through the, 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 the other family, the Hagar part of the family thing, and God said, no, I can do better than that. And so at an old age, and, and Sarah's old, you know, bang, they have a child. You go, what happened to that 25 years? Listen, there was a big test in there. It didn't have to be that, but, I, and, but there was something amiss. Something was amiss. You go, it wasn't Abraham and Sarah. Something was amiss because God doesn't have to have a long time. But you know in faith, there's a soul realm part of it that you have to work things out of your soul, and you've got to work things into your soul. If you have ideas about how fast your faith, how big your faith is and how fast it's going to work, and if you're wrong, God's not adjusting for you. You have to work it out of your soul. Are you all here? 
and you're comparing yourself to other people and comparing you, you have a reference point based on what you think is faith and what you think is going to work and it, it's not according to God's reference, you're going to be wrong and you're going to have to stop and recalibrate. And so Abraham, he had lots of options to say, whoa, has God missed it or am I missing it? And every single time, at whatever kind of battle in his head, he came to the conclusion, I'm going to stay with the Word. So we saw that story last week where he uh, sacrificed Isaac, where he told the men that were with him, the lad and I will go yonder and we will come again to you. And it was their faith. It wasn't just Abraham's faith. Isaac had to hook up because daddy was old. Daddy was way old, and, and this was a young son. I mean, he was, he was a young man, but he was well able to manhandle his father physically. And you know, when, when Dad pulls out the knife, and there's nothing else around, and you, you're, you're roped up on the altar, you can come to some conclusions, you know? Why, wow, he didn't take his medicine this morning. You know, we, we got, you know can the angel bring a pill? Can we, can, what can we do here? Everybody was cool. And God honored his word. God honors his word every time. We do look through a glass darkly, and sometimes we do see things from one side, and we don't see it from the whole side. That's what aha moments are, is when you get to look behind the door, and you go, oh, that's why it went that way. I didn't see it. Well, it's always that way when we think it should be, and it isn't. Are you all with me? So time is not a God factor. There's no time in faith. You and I want it to happen yesterday, but it's not because it's getting more desperate that God says, I'll have to get on this. It's when it gets more desperate, we get on it. We either bail out and say, I'm not going this faith thing. This could kill you. Or we get in and say, bless God, it's my only option. I'm going to believe. Are you all with me? Now, this isn't popular. This isn't what most people want to preach. This isn't what brings the crowds in, but it causes people to be strong, and it'll cause you to live and not die. These things will cause you to be able to meet anything, any crisis, any situation, and be able to confront it and look it straight up and say, I've got the Word, and everything bows and, 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 and bends to that. If you've got the Word inside, you know what it'll do. You know what it's made of. You will not be afraid. Point to yourself and say, I'll never be afraid. That's where you're going. I'll never be afraid. I'll never be afraid of a prognosis. I'll never be of an e uh, afraid of an economic situation, not a job situation, not a out there, what am I going to do situation. If you've got His Word, you've got it all. You don't need a burning bush. You don't need an angel. You don't need a sign from heaven. If you've got his word, you've got everything there is to have. And God will come through based on his word. But he hastens over his word. So if you just know his word and you're not putting his word out there, contrary to the voice and the words of the situation, then you're just out there battling in your mind. You're seeing it, it's happening, and you're looking at it and going over. It doesn't change anything. God hastens over his word. So you have to do what Debbie said this morning. I, but I do know she's not really 41. Everything else, I don't know, but I'm, I, you know, hallelujah. But... The Word is what changes everything. Amen? In, um, 
So faith works, and, and, and here's what people want. And I know you know in the Bible that, that there was some instant miracles, but a lot of stuff does not happen instantly. And instant manifestations are not necessarily the norm. I'm going to wait till that settles. Can y'all handle the time lapse? What does it say in Mark chapter 11, verse 23? Turn there with me. Mark eleven twenty-three. 23. Now, this is an old covenant verse. Jesus was right there in chapter 11. You know, he was, uh, he told them in verse 22, have faith in God, have the God kind of faith. Why did he tell them that? Well, they weren't born again yet. So they hadn't, they hadn't got the, the God kind of faith yet. He was telling them, here's what you can do when you get the God kind of faith inside, when you get born again. But you know, at this point, this particular place, he wasn't, he, they weren't born again, were they? They were old covenant men. Do you all know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tells it it's an old covenant setting until they got born again? So he's telling them in chapter 11 what, the, what yours and my faith as born-again believers, what it should be as a matter of routine. You get up and brush your teeth in the morning. Everybody knows what teeth looks like. Everybody knows what toothpaste does. Everybody knows what a brush is. We all got the same kind of dental situation. And so Colgate and all them, they just make the same equipment for everybody. Well, faith is the same way. We're all believers. We look different. We got different situations. But the devil's the same. The curse is the same. And the word's the same. If you'll put the word into action, it'll work for you. Your deal may be a little different. Your, your deal may go a little uh, contrary to somebody else, but faith will work. He said in verse 23, he said, Verily I say to you that whatsoever, whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. What things do we have to believe? Those things which... We saith. You don't not believe in what God saith, but believe those things that we saith shall come to pass. We shall have what? Whatsoever we saith. Amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Your faith can back the mountain down. Any mountain, any situation, your faith can back it down. Back it down. You can be unstoppable. You should be unstoppable. We are called to be unstoppable. You ever seen people get the cancer reports? You ever been around people right after they got it? It changes everything. It changes their life. It reveals. It pulls back. It exposes the very rawness, the very uh, fullness of everything that's in them. Anybody ever, you know, financially just been devastated or lost a loved one or anything? Without, without the Word of God, without God's Word working in your life, you have to start from the bottom. And against those contrary circumstances, those crisis uh, uh, scenarios in your life, it devastates life. I don't know how long you're going to live. Just if the Lord doesn't come back, we could, we could go quite a while, but it marks every year after that. You ever seen anybody on TV that's just been in a terrible accident or, or some killer has uh, uh, taken out one of their babies or whatever, and they just say, we'll never get over it. Have y'all ever seen them say that on TV? We'll go to our grave under this, with this. It'll, it'll never, we'll never get past it. That's not us. I said, that's not me. Yeah, naturally speaking, soulishly speaking, emotionally speaking, it, it's, it's a life 
changer. It completely knocks you out of the picture. Someone had control over your life, and by what they did, the choices they made, and the, and the, the life they lived, it completely took your life and changed it. But not in Jesus. It is a crisis. It is an affront. It is a mountain. And it does take us back for a moment while we adjust. But we just step up and say, I got the victory. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You got to be unstoppable. But the only way is not just to grit your teeth and be macho mucho. You got to be, you got to be with the word of God. And that means this is what's so cool is anybody can go there. This thing, the faith equation, is the equalizer for your life, no matter what you're facing. If you're a stutterer, if you're, if you're a woman, if you don't have a high IQ, if you had to raise your kids and didn't get... Whatever your situation, everybody's got a story. It doesn't matter. Faith is the great equalizer, and it'll put you on top no matter where you started. No matter what the devil sends, you can win. But you've got to know what the key is. And the key is just not living life and hoping for the best odds. That's what Vegas is about. That's what you go to the casino to do is I'm feeling hot. Let's get into a room and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the odds. Well, you can't win at these odds. It's stacked against the, the unbeliever. He is going down, y'all. Everyone without Jesus is going down. Big, there is no illusion to this. Romans chapter 4, look what Abraham took into his life. Look what he developed after God came to him. And if you think, if you believe that you can get by on less just because you're not called to be the father or mother of many nations, then you're just, not, you're just not dealing straight. Because what God's called you to do is on the same par, is on the same level as Abraham. Y'all say amen. You go, well, I'm just a nobody. God didn't make any nobodies. We, we, we could be nation changers, and some are, and some can be state changers, but we're all changers. We are all a necessary and integral part. Just take the bearings out of an alternator. It's just a little, it's just a spool on a car. It's a spool about this big around. There's one in the front of the alternator, and there's a set in the back. Just take out those seven or eight ball bearings and the, and the, little, and the little race that's around them, and you are going nowhere. It doesn't weigh an ounce. You got a transmission engine that weighs 2,000 pounds, but you take those bearings out and you are stopped. Well, the devil just comes and says, listen, I don't have to take the whole thing out. I'll just take out this one and it'll knock everything out. You and, he, you and I are all important, even if you're just an alternator bearing. <laughs> Paul talked about it, you know, the more important parts, the comely parts, and the un he said, we're all important. We make it work. I've always said, you know, we lived in Seminole for a number of years and started there and everything, and it was a little town, and it's just like whatever and however, and you know, and all that, and all this great stuff was going on in Tulsa and Dallas and across the nation. We said, Lord, if it's obedience that keeps us in Seminole, then we should have a reward for in Seminole that's equal to anybody that's in Tulsa. Because all we can do is obey, and if he has you there, and if he has you here, you've got to obey, and the reward should be the same. Amen. It says in chapter 4, look what he told, look about, look what the description of Abraham is. It says in verse 18, who against hope believed in hope. 
So he, he, against natural hope, he put on supernatural hope. Why? That he might become what God said, the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, which what was spoken, so shall thy seed be. In verse 19, Abraham, not being weak, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, yet neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So there's some faith lessons here. Abraham faced him. He faced the same test that you and I face. He was looking with the senses and going, what's this all about? Nothing's lining up to God's promises. He said, I'm the father of many nations. He said, this was the woman. It's not Hagar, it's Sarah. <laughs> you know, how's this going to be? He had to reconfigure. He had to recalculate. He had to consider. This has got to come in a realm that my senses are not acquainted with, that I'm not, I'm not master of. This is going to have to come through God's word. So he made the shift. He made the shift. He said, obviously, I can't consider this body as a part of the equation. Come on, y'all. We've got to consider the word. And so verse 20, he said, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Can you do that? Point to yourself and say, I can do that. You can stagger not at the promise of God. You can stagger not. Obviously, you can stagger. And that's what every situation is designed to do, is to knock you off from the garden. When, when the devil said to Eve, hath God said, let's stagger at the promise of God. Everything is designed to get you to stagger, to back you off of the word. If you get you off the word, you're toast. It's over. It doesn't matter how strong you are and what you, nation you preached in and how many good kids you raised and what a good mama you were. It matters none. When you're in the battle, it's what you're doing with the word. You either are staggering or you're not staggering at the promise of God. It's always going to be about the promise of God. The promise is the answer. The promise is the way out. The promise is the victory. And every situation in the world is the problem that keeps you from victory. And so you've got to have the word to cut through it. We are word people. We're not social, although we love to socialize. We love to fellowship. We love to be uh, communally uh, together and, and do what we do. All those things are important, but that's never going to be our focus. I tuned in to First Presbyterian this morning on TV, and they had, the, they had the, the chime choir was fixing to tool up. And I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying, you know, we never spent much time around here learning the bell notes and getting the bell notes going. And I'm just saying that in the sense of is we've got to focus on what's important and essential. And what she read the promises about Alabama, that was God's words through that woman speaking because God has a plan and there's an there's a obstacle to it and we have to pray the plan, pray the word through to get it. Verse 21, it says, And being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. All of these verses, you will have to go through and take Abraham out and put Jennifer in and put Lisa in and put Eric in. You'll have to say, I'm staggering not at the promise of God. And you'll think that you're not staggering, and then you'll get a report because you're thinking, well, now that I'm not staggering, it'll get better, and it gets worse. It turns the other way. It delays. Do you all know about delays? 
McQueenie, do you know about delays? You know, do we know about anybody in here know about manifestations? It looks the same or worse, even though we're engaged and we've said and we've confessed and we're on it and nothing's happened. Apparently, I mean, obviously in the in that realm. And what does it change? What did God say? Well, now that this thing hadn't changed, I need you to readjust. Or does he say, just stay with the word? Just be fully persuaded that what God had promised, he is able to perform. And not being weak in faith. Not being weak in faith. Well, we have to, we have to always build ourselves up in our most holy faith. We always have to. Because you can get weak. Well, I used to be strong. It has nothing. I used to be an athlete. <laughs> Go figure. How can that be? Wow, he's telling Wendy up there. I did. I was in gymnastics. I was in the strength department. I used to be an athlete, but yay, verily. It has changed. <laughs> I don't even like to walk now. Hallelujah. So what you was is not what you are. So you can't go back to a history. You can't go back to a time that says, well, God's got to remember that. It's today. It's today. You're going to have to win today with the Word of God. I'm reminded of in the book of Acts, where in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas were locked up, and it looked bad. You know it looked bad. But what they do? They began to sing and praise. And, you know, they, they were just, that's, they didn't do it as a key, but it's just what was in them. Y'all, we got to figure out what's in us, who we are. I'm reminded of the Hebrew children. You know, it looked bad. It had looked so bad. I'm reminded of Joseph that was in the dungeon, the dungeon for 20 years, 20 years. And he had done it God's way, was in the dungeon 20 years. And he went from the pit to the palace in one day, but it was 20 years of no way. How many of us would have been tempted to faint? All of us. We would all been tempted to faint. But we'd had to all go back and say, am I fully persuaded that what he promised, he's able to perform? Am I fully persuaded? Do I stagger not at the promises of God? You're going to have to consider these promises, and then you're going to have to get where you don't stagger at them. Not that you just say, okay, God, I'll go with you. But, you know, the doctor says, I just got 30 days before we're going to have to make a big decision. And so I need you to do something by then. You know, you are just breathing with words coming out of your mouth. And, and it's doing nothing to God. You can't tell God, now, I need you to do something in 30 days. He did something 2,000 years ago. And you need to do something in 30 days. You need to get, you know, obviously you're staggering. Listen. Two things about faith. Number one, faith knows. Faith just knows. Do you know the lights are on in here? Do you know that the carpet's green? Do you know? Do you know some things? Do you know? Sure we know. You got to know some things about faith like you know the carpet's green in here. You got to know the chairs are red and that God's word is true. They're interchangeable. The lights are on. Interchangeable. You got to get where you know that. You got to get it. You got, well, I'm busy. Yes, we are. We are now in a 24 7 culture. There is nothing left to give. We are now in a, in a totally uh, a non resting, non, we're in an entertainment where people are entertained and pleasure seekers in, to, if, to have downtime. There used to be we had a Sabbath, but now the world has changed that into to now you need a vacation. 
and the vacation they choose runs you silly. You come home saying, thank God I made it, you know. And then you show up and your employer goes, wow, this is what I got of you being off a week. I get another week of you being totally worthless, recovering. So you, there's nothing left to give in that sense. We can't, we can't draw aside, naturally speaking. We're going to have to stop our lives in the sense of whatever it takes to get this word in and get it where I stagger not. I'm reminded of, uh, of the 20. Did you know that when Paul... In, in Acts chapter 27, the Bible says that, that they were shipping him uh, down to have a, a, a confrontation with the emperor and uh, to have a meeting with him, that he was 14 days, that 263 of them on the boat, 14 days, they did not eat a bite. The third day that the storm was so bad, they threw all the tackle, all the sails over. Um, right after that, they threw all the... the uh, the cargo over, 14 days they did not see the sun. Read it. It's in Acts chapter 27. But the Bible says that Paul had a word from God, that an angel came by and said, you're going to make it. And he told everybody, if you stay with me, we're going to make it. He stood on the word, even though, can you imagine? We can't even hardly have a revival for 14 days, go to church in the evening 14 days. We can hardly make ourselves stay on a diet 14 days. We can hardly be nice to somebody for 14 days. And Paul was 14 days under a storm that was unparalleled. And yet in verse 27 of that chapter, he said that he came, I'm going to read it to you, in Acts chapter 27, hallelujah. You can't just have an instant manifestation. You can't have a life that's that without storms. He said in verse 22, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. I looked up that word, it means to laugh out loud. I exhort you, you 263 men, I exhort you to laugh out loud, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship only. And they made it. He never cast away his confidence about God's plan for his life, even though it was pure thunder. I have a testimony here. Lord, let me have a testimony here. If I say it and believe it, will I receive it? You know, it'll, find, it'll show up. I had a testimony here. <laughs> About a woman, you've heard the story before in Smith Wigglesworth's meetings, where he went into a meeting and a woman got up that had a goiter. Before she went, though, she told her mother, I'm going to the meetings and I'm going to get them to pray for this goiter, and I'm going to be healed of it. Just like in Acts chapter uh, 5, uh, Mark chapter 5. And, uh, and so she was prayed and nothing changed. And she came home and said, boy, it was a great meeting, and I got a great healing. And she went that way for a year and told everyone. I, you know, when they asked about her goiter, she said, yeah, I was healed of that a year ago. And she got up. And a year later, and she got up and testified that I was here last year, and I got healed of a goiter. And they're all looking at it, and her, she went home, and her folks were mad at her and saying, what are you talking about? Go look in the mirror. Go upstairs right now 
and see it, that it's not bigger than it was. And the account is, is that she went upstairs, but she would not look in the mirror. But she got on her knees and she said, Lord, I know you've healed me of this that gorder. And I'm asking you just to show them for their sakes because it's bothering them real bad. And she went to bed and the next morning, the account is she got up with the prettiest neck that you'd ever seen. But it was over a year. And she just, she paid it no attention. She gave it no account. She did not render the physical man, the, the, uh, the, the, the flesh, the senses, she didn't give it any account. She said, I went in, the man of God prayed for me, the anointing went in, and that's the end of it. Did you know that it's the end of it when God says in his word and you receive it, it's the end of it? It's the end of it. Now, y'all, it's time to quit whining. I've just got a few minutes. Uh, Eric, would you start the car for me? Hallelujah. That's what Brother Joe always said. It's, it, y'all, it's time to quit whining. You're not going to change God, and you're not going to change the, faith, the way faith works. Whining about it, trying to get God to do something. Let me just save you a whole bunch of trouble and pain. It does not work. You're not the exception. You're not the one that gets by. You're not the special kid that God's God that doesn't have to do it the faith way to get faith results. You're going to have to do it like all of us do it. But I'm telling you, people whine about coming to church. They're wearing me out. I go to prayer. I go to, you know, practice. I go to Wednesday. I'm up there. Listen, the world's wearing you out, not church. The church is saving you, and he preaches too long, and why can't we get out at 12? Listen, it's saving you. It's changing your life. It is not, there's 168 hours in a week, and if anybody, if anybody gives three per week to, to God, they're considered fanatical in these days. Three out of 168 is just one percent. Please, we eat, we eat cupcakes more than one percent a week, generally speaking. We've got to quit whining. We've got to get an attitude. The only thing making people sick, Christians in the, in the church, is their attitude. They got an attitude toward God that I want more for less, and how can I get the max for the minimum? And you know, it's just not the way God thinks. He thinks we ought to fall in love with him, for by his stripes I was healed. His stripes, his stripes, his stripes. He went through it, and he didn't know anybody would ever need the, the price that he paid, call on it, and he gave it anyway. We ought to say, you know what, I can, I can take some time to build my faith on what he did and what he said. We ought to be rich in this church. We ought to have millionaires in this church. And it's just attitude. It's just perspective. God's no respecter of persons, and he's not looking to this church and saying, I've got a, I got a little place for them, and I want them to stay in their place. It's not what he's saying. Well, I'm just little me. I'm a school teacher, and I'm just an admin, you know, I'm just a secretary. I'm just a whatever. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, my word is the only path. And if you'll get into the Word, which we've been preaching, y'all, we've been preaching it. Get the Word in, and you'll see results that you'll never change. In Jude verse 20, the Bible says that you ought to build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm here to tell you, family, there's a way to build yourself up. You ought to be building yourself up. Are y'all here this morning? You ought to be building yourself up. There's a way. You can't give more time because it's already 24-7. You can't do more. It's already all you can do. But you can do, you can go into the grocery store. You can go into the gas station. You can be building yourself up. You can go to bed building yourself up. 
You can, you can let, we got cassette tapes, we got CDs, we got MP3s of the Word of God. You can listen all the time. Turn off whatever keeps you from turning on. It's not God's fault. It's not this church's fault. God's not getting all your money. He's trying to get stuff to you. He's trying to make millionaires at, in, in this church. There was 112 billionaires that were added to the world's billionaires. There's now over 1,000 billionaires in the earth right now, and over 100 of them were added, but not in America. We actually went down in America, and they went up in uh, the southeast, the southeast of Asia, and the richest man in the world is not American anymore. He's Mexican. Mr. Carlos Hugh, somebody, somebody. He's worth bunches. I'm, not, I'm only making a point with that is, is that now it's not the Christian attitude that's got making money. It's the world. Don't go there. Go with the word. Let's be word people. This is not hard. This is so simple. If we said, you're going to have to cross every mountain, you'd go, sign me up. I want, I'll do it for God. If we said, walk across those coals, it's going to hurt. It's going to really be bad. But here I go. If we said, give up your firstborn and send him to the mission field and you won't see him for two years, we'd say, Johnny, I'm going to miss you, but we've got to do it for God. But that's not what he's requiring. He's just requiring that you set your life aside and you begin to drink and eat this in such a way till it changes your whole perspective until you get an attitude of I'm a God boy, I'm a God girl, and this is who I am and this is what I do. And I'm happy with the pastor, I'm happy with the body of Christ, I'm happy with God's plan for my life, and I don't care what the world thinks. That is what God's calling you to do. And you can throw a rock at the messenger, but it won't change what God's thinking and what God's doing. Amen. We ought to be building ourselves up. You ought to be praying in the Holy Ghost all the time, Micah. All the time, Nita. All the time, Lisa. All the time, Nicole. Y'all say all the time. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. That's what it's talking about. Build yourself up. Build yourself up. Greater is he that's in me. Build yourself up. Take some ground for God. And see, in this church, you know. Well, here's my testimony. Woo! Hallelujah. In this church, we know, we know, everybody has, but we know that there's a call on our life in Tuscaloosa County. Praise God. Let's stand up before they look at their watches. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. There's something inside of us that's, that's powerful, that's supernatural, that can't be shut down. There's something inside of us that God is quickening and making alive. There's something inside of you where deep, deep is calling to deep. There's something inside of you that God says, I'm going to reassign you. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to show you what I'm all about for your life, and I'm going to make your life worth living. I'm going to make your life worth living for me. Lord, how do we do that? You just believe. You just believe like Abraham. Lord, I've got a life worth living. I'm in this earth for a reason, and I'm here for a reason, and I'm going to make it pay. I'm not going to be like a worldly person that just survives, copes, and exists. I'm going to shine for him. I'm going to rise, shine for him. It's time to make our life count for him.
We got to leave. We got to leave the world behind. They don't have it. We're called to change them, but we have to be changed to change them. Now I want you to put your hand on your body right now. I'm believing right now for healing to come into your body. I'm not talking about, well, I don't have cancer and I don't have bad arthritis. I'm talking about everything that's contrary to by his stripes you were healed leaving this morning. Can you agree with me this morning? Can you, can you release life into your being this morning? In the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Now take it. Take it. Stagger not at the promise of God, but take it by his stripes. Say it with me. By his stripes, I am healed. Yes, Lord. Your life flows in right now from the atmosphere that's in this room. In Jesus' name, I take notice that something has happened, something has changed. I am better now in Jesus' name. Disease is broken and gone. Pain is released. I am healed, whole, and healthy in Jesus' name. Put your hand on your billfold or on your purse. In Jesus' name, I release I release the anointing to get wealth now. I thank you, Lord, for increase now in this church, in now in these people. I thank you, Lord, for the hundredfold in our lives this year and now, starting today, now, increase in Jesus' name. Who will stagger not at that promise? Who this morning will say, I'll take it, that I'll increase now in Jesus' name. I'll be and do what he's called me to do in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, I tell you this morning, church, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Make every day a steward day. I have a day here. I'm going to spend it in what's pleasing to him. It doesn't mean you can't relax. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. It doesn't mean you have to sign up at a monastery to please him. He wants us to have more fun in the world and still get more fun done in, more things done in him. But we are accountable to him, and we're going to make our lives count. It doesn't Listen, it doesn't matter if you're 21 or if you're 81 in here. It doesn't matter. We all have a life to live. Let's just live till, until the end. Amen? Amen. I bless you from this place. I bless you now. What God has blessed, let no man curse in Jesus' name. Be blessed, be full, be overflowing. Let the word of God sustain you and prosper you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.